podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of Living Well with Kathleen Saunders, your weekly podcast where we discuss the financial, physical, spiritual, and social well-being of everyday people like you and me. Well, hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to Living Well with Kathleen Saunders. I am so excited about today's show with my guest, Karen A. Baker. Our conversation will be taking us into the world of financial advice as we will be talking about the six disciplines in a financial plan, having a just-in-case file and blended families. Karen is a licensed estate planner and financial advisor who is passionate about instilling sound wisdom to train the next generation in using money as a tool and not a goal. With over 20 years in the financial services and insurance industry, she has worked in the admin role leading up to being an advisor. So she is well-versed on the documentation of ensuring that families are protected with the right combination of protection and income flow. She blends the technical, tangible and intangible wisdom in her practice to help the next heirs be wise with their money and live generously. Her area of specialty is intergenerational wealth and working with special needs families and seniors. Karen Holds, FCSI, Fellow of Canadian Securities Institute, the highest honour and most credentials in Canadian financial services. It's reserved solely for an elite group of experienced financial services, so you know that the information you're receiving today is solid and comes from someone who is well-versed in their field. She also has her FMA, FIC, CLU, CKA, and a QAFP, which is a Qualified Associate Financial Planner. Karen's mission is to help families implement tools to protect their ability to earn a living while maintaining a life of purpose. Her knowledge will leave you asking, how come I did not meet her before? Well, today's your day. All right. Well, welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. So let's drive right into it. I'm so excited to hear what you have to say, and I'm especially looking forward to that just-in-case file. Uh, Before we get started, let's uh, tell us about the six disciplines to financial planning. Oh, thank you, Sister Kathleen. So as Kathleen mentioned, my name is Karen Baker, and I'm a licensed advisor. I work specifically with families that's interested in um, estate planning. So with uh, financial planning, there's actually six uh, disciplines uh, to financial planning. Uh, The first one is uh, cash flow. Next, we have investment management, uh, followed by uh, insurance, uh, retirement planning, uh, education, and estate planning. So those are the six areas, and each area has uh, different sub-areas within uh, those steps that it's important for families and also business owners to go through. So um, if we look at one area of that plan, let's assume we are looking at uh, cash flow, right? Um, In order for us to determine where the leak is, and what I mean by leak is that sometimes we are earning money and um, it just disappears, right? So in order for us to determine where the leak is, it's important for us to allocate 
those funds to an area. So let's assume we were looking at cash flow. The first thing we need to do is identify what the goal is. So the goal could be monetary. It could say, you know, in the next six months or the next year, I need to have or we need to have six months income or six Mm -hmm. uh, months of expenses set aside. So we have to have something that's definitive. Uh, Next, um, we have to gather the information like where is this income coming from or where will it be coming from? And once we've done the data gathering, then we analyze the data and then we put um, a plan in place. Like it's like a car. In order for the car to move from one destination to the other, we have to have a driver uh, in the seat. Um, Mm -hmm. So once you develop the plan and then we put it in place, but most importantly, we need to monitor it. So that- Would that be you? Would that be you and the client doing that together, developing the plan? Oh, absolutely. So the client will provide the information Mm -hmm. and um, should I need additional information, I will ask them. Otherwise, I will take that information and do the analytics. And then um, the, the six steps in the financial plan it is sequential, but you can go back and forth when you're missing information. So that's actually right. a great question. Mm-hmm. Okay, good to know. And uh, so what about education, for example, then? One of those steps, you said there were six steps. Yes. Give me an example okay. of education. So um, for families who have, if you have children and your goal right. is for them to go to school, it may not necessarily be their goal, but mm-hmm. your goal is for them to get an education. It's important for you to utilize uh, some of the benefits that are available through the education plan. And one tool that you can utilize is the RESP, uh, which is offered through the government. And for every dollar you invest in the education uh, plan through the RESP, the government guarantees you 20% raise, right? Um, So that's a way for you as a family can um, spearhead or kickstart the education plan for your child. Now, if the child decides not to go to school, that's okay. Um, the grant money that the government has provided that will go back to the government. And in most education plan, not all of them, because if you have a pooled education, that's mm-hmm. dealt with a little bit differently. But in, you know, the generic education plan through like a broker or through the bank, um, any growth that you have earned on it, should the child decide not to go to school, uh, 20% of that uh, will be taxable. And then the other portion, taxable in form of a penalty, and the other Mm -hmm. portion will be just taxed on your tax rate. That's only if the child doesn't go back to school. school. Okay, so what happens if the child does, you just get that money in its entirety? Um, So I'll give you an example. Let's assume over the years, you've uh, saved $10,000. And of the $10,000, um, it's now grown to 15,000. So the extra mm-hmm. five is a combination of growth and grant. So 20% of that 10,000, uh, yeah. two times one is 2,000. So that will automatically go back to the government. The okay. three so that's thousand, what they contributed. That's what they contributed. The government, the correct. Right, correct. Okay, correct. Mm-hmm. And then that $3,000, that will be growth. And that growth will be tax based on your marginal tax rate, which is a tax rate on the next dollar that you've earned. So your tax rate could be 30%, 43%, 53%, 10%. 
and then everything else goes back in your hand. So you're not losing if the child mm-hmm. didn't go to school, uh, right. because more than likely you would not have saved that money had you not done that. Mm-hmm. True, true. And the beauty true. about the, the education plan, it's mm-hmm. tax deferred until withdrawn. Oh, beautiful. Yes. That's a bonus. Yes, tax That's deferred, really meaning there will be tax at a later date. And if the child goes to school, it's taxed in the child's hand, which their tax break uh, bracket is a lot lower than most of the contributors, which happens to be the parent or grandparent. Okay, perfect. So tell me something. How soon can a parent start um with this plan can it be for example if a mother's pregnant right now does the child actually have to be born first or can she do it while the child's still in her womb um and how long are you contributing towards this plan is there an end date um yeah so let me answer uh i think that's three questions in one so um in order to um open up an resp yes there has to be life uh, outside of the womb so the child has to be born um Mm -hmm. Some companies, they say you have to have a social insurance number because that's okay. how they identify who the, we call it the beneficiary, who the beneficiary right. will be. So, um, right. you know, as long as a child is born um, mm-hmm. and there's a social insurance or something to identify that child, but preferably the social, um, and the, the parent has to be either um, permanent residence or a citizen. They're not entitled to the grant in the RESP unless they have that status. Okay, okay? so that's another thing. Now you can sure. start with the status and if you don't have the status and the government just keeps giving it to you, then eventually if they find out, um, you may have to return that. Because sometimes people have dual citizenship, right? And they're not contributing to Canada. So if you're not contributing, you technically you really shouldn't be benefiting through the RESP. Sure. So yeah. um, the child has to be born. Um, in terms of the grant, um, mm-hmm. the maximum grant that you will be entitled to based on all your contributions is 7,200. And um, in order to get the grant, you can contribute up to age one year less than age 18, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. the plan must be opened uh, no later than age 14 in order to get the grant okay Okay. and then you can contribute uh for approximately 35 years after the inception of the plan oh really yes okay so um yeah i believe it's 35 years now you're not getting the grant right um Mm -hmm. but you're contributing and it's tax deferred or tax sheltered Right. Sheltered. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfect. That's Until withdrawn. Know. So if until if if I open 10 years old, basically mm-hmm. up until I'm like 40, 45, I can still contribute. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that's Most people don't interesting. know that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I never knew that at all. Mm-hmm. That's a good tidbit that you're sharing yeah. there. All right, perfect, great. Another big thing that uh, you you talked about that I know a lot of people have questions are about and just really put off is the estate planning. So, could you give us a little bit of information on estate planning? Because you know, just last night I heard that a friend of mine uh, passed away mm. um, 
in April mm. and I was just getting the news last night mm. and it made me start thinking about a conversation you and I had a while ago, mm. which is about making sure that you have a will. Mm. So, I mean, believe it or not, last night I started right drafting up. Praise Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> not because you're going to die, but mainly because you're going to live, right? Yeah, exactly. So share with us on the importance of having a will and so forth. Okay. And the estate planning. So mm -hmm. let me first define what estate planning is, right? Sure. Uh, so estate planning is the transfer of someone's assets. So the assets can be property or money, Mm -hmm. Or it could also be intangible, like goodwill, like McDonald's, right? When they die, mm -hmm. as well as a variety of other personal matters, right? So it's the transfer of assets from one individual, or it could be from a business to another upon death, okay? okay. Now, mm -hmm. the areas of um, estate planning, it could be very complex, or it could be simple. But most importantly, the estate planning ties into will your estate, which is the value of these things. Right. Um, it also ties into trust. Um, that's a document that's used to set up uh, what we call a holding depot for the assets after death so that mm -hmm. it's being distributed in the way that you intend it to be distributed. Um, so that's, that's what estate planning is. Now, in Canada, if you die without a will, it's considered that you have died intestate, which is no will. And the government, um, through the yes. Office of the Public Guardian and Trustee, mm -hmm. will appoint someone or an institution to dictate what happens to the asset. So the mm -hmm. will is... A, a document or it's a process that a lot of Canadians shy away from because it could be cultural. Um, it could be for the fact that they're not sure what it really means. And for other Canadians, it's like, it's thinking about death. But the will is mm -hmm. so important, not only to draft it, but to understand what it actually does when you're gone. Um, right. so what it's your voice when you're dead, basically, it, it's as exactly to how you your alive. voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, what I say to families, it's like you come in from the grave on the 15th of the month and say, hello, I'm still here. All right. Um, and the will is not to be confused with the power of attorney. A power of attorney is while you are still here, even if you are not in the right frame of mind, um, the power of attorney is your voice when you're not able to, right? Mm -hmm. And the power of attorney deals with tangible assets, but it also deals with medical decisions, right? Mm -hmm. But in drafting a will, um, what I normally recommend to families, don't show up at the lawyer's office to get it done. Think it through okay. before you take that step. Ask yourself this question. If I didn't come home last night, how do I want everything to be distributed? If you have a piano in the family for 50 years, try and get mm -hmm. rid of it before you take your last breath. Because if you don't put that, or if you put it, and there are siblings that disagree, now you have an issue, right? 
Yeah. Um, I've heard so of cases where is, people are. Yeah, I've heard mm -hmm. of cases where um, people are at funerals and they're fighting over the rings and yep. different assets that the parents left behind mm -hmm. and houses and things like that. It can get really crazy. Yep. And it does. You know, I just wanted to add, mm -hmm. Karen, um, last night, actually, while I was typing it up, it did feel weird. It felt <laughs> like what, you know, it felt really strange to type saying, you know, I want this for my children, yep. this for my husband. Mm -hmm. It felt it, kind of an eerie feeling because it's like I'm here in the living yep. But yet I'm thinking about the, you know, the dying, being dead. But I guess that's part of being um, proactive, right? Well, you know, it is part of being proactive. But the other way to think of it, as it's a Kathleen, is ask yourself this question. If I didn't do this, this is really what I'm going to have my husband or my family to go through. And do I really want them to go through this? Do I really right. want them to kind of figure out what I want? to have happen. Yeah. And more importantly, yeah. when you set up the will, working with an estate planner or a lawyer that understands the tax implication, he or she can say, okay, that's great. These are your desires. But did you know that this portion is taxable? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, you may want to go back to your planner and he or she can show you a tax efficient way to set it up. So even if it flows through the will, it will bypass probate. Right. Okay. And that's something that you will sit down, you as a financial advisor will sit down and uh, recommend, suggest to the client. Absolutely. You'll be able to show. Absolutely. Them. Because okay. the thing okay. is, like with probate, probate is a process mm -hmm. of validating the will. So I can do a will in Ontario, and I can also do one in BC. So upon my death, which one is valid, right? So if I have, mm -hmm. if I have assets in BC, I would probably do a will specifically to those assets and make reference mm. to uh, an existing will in Ontario or Calgary or wherever, right? Um, so one can set up a will just to set it up to ensure that there is something, but have absolutely nothing false through it, which is completely valid. And by doing that, you're also protecting your privacy because remember upon death, a will becomes mm. a public document. So I literally can go to the courts, pay a little fee and I can see exactly what's in your estate. Oh, is that right? 100%. Oh, I didn't know yep. that at all. Wow. Well, that's good to know. So um, can does that mean that you can work anywhere in Canada? Well, Could you help me here in BC? Yes. As an estate planner, um, I can uh -huh. work outside of Ontario and not mm -hmm. sell a product, right? So for product, okay. I'm licensed mm -hmm. only in the province of Ontario, um, but to okay. provide service and advice, I can work anywhere in the world uh, because I have two, oh. three designations that allows me to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And we did, I did mention your designations earlier yeah. on. Okay. Beautiful. That's really excellent information to learn. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share with us about those six plant, those six steps? I don't think we went through them all. I forget what, I didn't get the second one, Karen. I was trying to write real quick. You have cash flow. Can you go um, over them? So again? we have cash flow, yeah. uh, investment management, okay, retirement planning, uh, education, estate planning, and estate. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, that's it. And education. So I would I like to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, education. You did say that one. 
the one that another one that's interesting is um, retirement. Yeah. Can you tell us what's the most popular one that you go through? Uh, retirement. Everybody's thinking about retirement, and, and I'm like, right okay, well, that, why don't yeah. you think about living right now, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> because sometimes we we plan so much for this retirement, and when we get there, we don't get there in good shape, right? Um, sure. yeah. You know, when you think of retirement, a lot of people just only think of RSP. In fact, I was speaking to a client this morning, and you know they were talking about RSPs, and I said, "Well, do you have a tax-free savings account?" They said, "No." And I said, "Well, it doesn't make sense that you're topping up your RSPs when you can contribute sixty-nine thousand five hundred to TFSA non-taxable." They're like, "What?" Yes. So each Canadian, um, mm -hmm. assuming they're age eighteen in two thousand and eight, when the uh, TFSA uh, came in, um, you can contribute yeah. up to 69,500 to your TFSA. A year. Uh, no, that's, that's the like... maximum contribution. So this year, the maximum, I believe it was 5,500. So it's accumulation. So from 2008, based on all the limits each year, that's the max you can contribute. So let's assume you have 20,000 in your TFSA in 2019. You have contribution mm -hmm. room of approximately 49,500 to contribute in 2020 that you can contribute. Okay. So I normally say to families, if their income is not over, let's say 130,000, I say, okay, max out your TFSA, get the accountant to do your taxes no later than February the 15th. And if you might owe the government, take money out of the TFSA, contribute to the RSP, and now it's a wash. Okay. Okay. So let me just clarify. So max out the TFSA with the 5,500 before February the 15th. Yeah. Yeah. The say? reason okay. why I give that date is so that you give the accountant time to do your taxes just in case you owe the government or it's more beneficial to um, top up RSPs. At least you have until March the 1st. But if you put that little window time in between, it will give you time just in case you don't have time before March 1st. Okay, good to know. Is there a maximum that you could contribute to your RSP? Uh, yes, there is. It's 18% of the previous year's income plus any unused contribution room. So when you complete your income tax and you get that little slip of uh, paper where the check is attached mm -hmm. to if you're doing the paper copy, there is a spot there that says your RSP room. So it will okay. tell you what the room is. And if you over contribute, mm -hmm. it's like a 2000, uh, sorry, 1% penalty per year. But most Canadians do not over contribute to RSP. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, no. Okay. So that was a part of the bit on the investment management, what we just, what you just shared with the TFSA? Uh, no, um, the TFSA okay. is, you can use it interchangeably with all those areas, right? Because okay. it's one of those tools that increases cash flow when you put money in there. Mm -hmm. And that's the tax deductible. You're not being taxed on that until you withdraw it. Is no, uh, the TFSA is completely non-taxable going in, non-taxable coming. Uh -huh. Oh, yep. is that right? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, that's very good to know. I didn't yep. realize that. That's it's basically beautiful. free money oh. the government is allowing you to save 
And they're ne never going to come back so far and say, well, you know what, we should tax you on that. Yeah. Wow. So definitely, this is definitely what you want to max out, like you said, yep. first. Absolutely. Uh, you max it out throughout the year. Okay. And then, you know, January, mm -hmm. February, you can determine if you need to contribute to RSP. And if you do, at least you have the money already saved, as opposed to trying to look for it to save it. Okay, so what about if you wanted to take out money from it, kind of not so much like how you would your checkings account, but um, is there any penalties if you take money out? From uh, absolutely it? no penalty for the contributions, but if you invest it and there's what's called deferred sales charge, like DSC, or also known mm -hmm. as new terminology is NSC. Um, I don't remember okay, what the N stands. For. I don't remember what the N okay. stands for because it's okay. like a new thing that they did this year for the industry. Um, so if it's DSC, what that means if you take it out before a certain time, they're going to charge you the mm -hmm. sales charge. So the sales charge starts from five and a half percent within the first two years. And then it goes down until zero within the next five to seven years. Yeah. Okay. But if you're if you're making the contribution in a bank um, through mutual mm. funds, if you don't want to be mm. penalized when you do the withdrawal, you just put it in what's called a B load fund, the letter B. And yeah. um, if there's DSC deferred sales charge, because the deferred sales charge, that's how the agents get paid, right? Um, okay, that will right. be an A fund. The letter A is an apple. Okay, excellent, good. So in, um, in regards to retirement then, uh, would you be able to tell me, do we discuss how much we should contribute on a monthly basis if we're retiring, say in the next 15 years or so? How do you work out um, how much contribution a client should make? What's that based Well, that's actually a great question. Um, because if we're saving, we don't know why we're saving, uh, then mm -hmm. we don't know when we're going to get to that destination. So I have different tools that I can use to determine um, how much okay. you should save based on the lifestyle that you hope to have. So I normally recommend anywhere from 70 to 85% of your income um, that we should save towards retirement. And we should have that anywhere from 25 to 35 years in place after retirement, Re the normal retirement age, which is age 65. So basically after retirement at approximately age 65, we come up with a number that mm. should last us for the next 30 years. So let's assume that future value number is 750,000. We will look mm -hmm. at everything we have and ask ourselves this question. If we sold our home and live on the street, <laughs> we'll be fine. But, you know, in retirement, you still need to live somewhere. And then there's this myth that when you retire, you, leave, uh -huh. you need less money. Not necessarily, because when you retire, you have more time. So if you have time, most of the time you're spending more money, right? When, and you right. Stuff, and then right? when yeah. you retire, mm -hmm. if you don't have a proper medical plan, your bills to take care of you. If there is a debilitating illness, your savings could be wiped out, right? So retirement is not just about the savings. It also looks at the income replacement 
And literally, who will take care of you when you can't take care of yourself? So that number could be a small number. It could be a big well, number. Mm-hmm. That's a big chunk of things to consider there. I never really yep. looked at it that way. So I just want to confirm what I'm hearing you say here is that one, you, you should be looking to save between 70 to 80% of your income right now. That's how much you should be looking to, work, to save towards your retirement. And then you should be looking to cover that for 20 to 35 years after you're, you pass, after you okay, retire, so let me right? Clarify. Let's assume my income is 100000 what I would do is say mm-hmm. at age 65, for the next 25 years after age 65, I will need about $85,000 yeah. to live comfortably. Live on. Right? Yes. So if okay. I do the 85,000 yeah. multiplied by the 25 years at an annual rate of return of, let's say, 4%, because there's going to be inflation, right? I'm going to come up mm-hmm. with the number. So let's assume that number is okay. a million. Okay? Mm-hmm. So. If I'm working, I know if I have approximately a million dollars at age 65 in liquid assets and I earn 4% each year and I'm using 85% each year, I should be good. Mm -hmm. I hear you. So that's important. And you recommend that a person start saving for retirement as early as possible, right? And I recommend How that early? they save for mm-hmm. CFSA, non-registered, mm-hmm. and based on their income, if their income is like 130000 and up, then RSP. Why? The non-registered and the TFSA, you are in control of that. The RSP, you're right. not in control mm-hmm. as much because if you take money back mm-hmm. out um that tax credit that you received when you made the deposit to the rsp um it's going to be added to your income so if you put in a hundred thousand over the last 10 years in your rsps and this year you had a hard year and you need to take out 10 grand that ten thousand dollars will be added to your income for this year so if it's added to your income and your income bracket is low then that's a non-issue but if you are already in a high tax mm-hmm. bracket and you're depleting your RSPs because there's a medical emergency and you need it, then that's going to be added to your income for the year. So it's going to push you in a higher tax oh, bracket. Nice. Tax bracket. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Very useful yeah. tips. That's really good information to know. Okay. Before we move over into the just in case file, is there anything else that um, you want to share with us? regarding the six disciplines of financial plans? Is there anything well, else that we what, should know? What I would suggest is that any family that's listening to this podcast, uh, start somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of us, definitely, we, we definitely. keep saying we don't have time, we don't have time, but we have time for the things that we want to have time for. Um, it, it's so that's important. True. Like There's so much that I have learned in my later years that I wish my family um, not necessarily knew the information, but actually put it in place because mm-hmm. you can know all this info, but if you do nothing with it, right. it's like you didn't know it. Right. So the, the, the thing so that I would yeah. like anyone to take away from the last 20 minutes that we've been talking about start, right. Don't wait for your spouse you, because sometimes yeah. your spouse is waiting for you or sometimes they don't feel that confident to do it. So if you put it on paper and say, okay, this is where we are, but if we did this, this is where we will be. What, what do you mm. think? And numbers don't lie, right? 
You're so true. You know, because I've been telling my husband, we need to have a will. For about a year now, I keep saying, we need to have a will. We need to have a will. So it's almost like I'm sitting on, waiting on him to come up with it when I very well am capable of just coming mm -hmm. up and writing something like I did mm -hmm. last night. And it was easy. Yeah. It's, it's done. Now we can have that yeah. conversation and take it a little step further. So I like that what you said. Yes. Start. That is definitely what we need. We all need and, to do. And is the other start. thing too, and Thank not you. to sound okay. morbid, like most of the time, the husband mm -hmm. and the wife, they're not dying at the same time, right? So why do we have to do True. a will? Yes. Why do we have to both agree to do a will, right? Together. And, and for those True. of you who right. are listening, if you belong to the uh, Seventh-day Adventist body, um, Seventh-day Adventist body, the uh, conference, so the province that you're in, they yeah. do offer, and I don't like to say free, it's the complimentary service where uh, they will assign a lawyer to draft your will for you. Yeah, and I guess you're, you're also supposed to give a, do a donation from your will. You leave a donation uh, or something along those no, lines. No, you're not. You don't have to do it. Um, yeah, and they okay. can't tell you to do it. But it's a they good They can't gesture. even suggest it mm -hmm. by law. Mm-hmm. Nope. It's oh, just really? a sheet of paper. Okay. If it's okay. there, if it says church, that's fine. If it says conference, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But they can't tell you that because it's a conflict of interest and it's called tied selling. Tied selling simply means because I did this for you, you need to do that. In fact, I had this conversation with a pastor recently and I said to him, you know, if I went through the conference and did my will, there's no reason why I would not do that because a conference through the Seventh-day Adventist body has helped my family um, in terms of my faith, right? So why wouldn't you donate to the, the causes and the charities that have impacted your life and also impacted other lives? It's better to do that than take the money and I'm not saying don't give it to the cancer society, but you know, how about a Christian school? Help a child to finish Christian education. Yeah. Right, I hear you. And for those of you who are listening and do not belong to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, if you could find out mm -hmm. if your church, your denomination that you belong to, if they have that system where um, they help you with your uh, finance, your taxes, your, sorry, your retirement and how to um, do your will, sorry, is what I wanted to say, how to do your will and prepare your will. And if the, you are not a member of any kind of church, then I guess you will contact someone like Karen and I'll give you her information at the end of the show who will be able to assist you with uh, setting up your Yes, home, right, in fact, Karen? let me put a plug there for Legal Shields. So um, Legal yep, Shields okay. is a membership only uh, conglomerate of lawyers uh, through Mills and Mills. And um, for families who are yes. saying, well, a will is expensive. Well, it's actually more expensive if you don't get it done, right? But for those of you who are, you know, a little bit concerned about costs, um, you know, you can become a member of Legal Shields. It's approximately $360 for the year, or you can pay monthly, and they will draft up your will in POA. And if you're married, um, they will provide that will and POA for both you and your spouse. Um, for your membership fee. And you can call them and ask them questions as it relates to anything that's legal. And that's a part of the membership. And so it's called Legal Shields. Okay. And you can give me some more information on that, Karen, so I can leave Absolutely. that in the description. Yeah. 
for mm-hmm. the listeners. Okay, perfect. Great. Thank you. All right. Well, you know, that was good information. Now we're moving over into the just in case file, which is um, something that I am very interested in hearing about. Uh, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you mean when you say okay. just in case. So, file. Um, two years ago, I was at a, a seniors event and um Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when I do trade shows, I'm standing there and it's like people think you have like a disease, right? Because who wants to talk about money when you're at a trade show? You're looking for free stuff like food and little trinkets. And this, yeah, the senior came up <laughs> to me and she said, you know what? I've never seen a sign that simple. And the sign I had had something to do with if you don't have a will, if you don't have your wishes, this is what it will look like. And she's like, wow. my God. And, you know, the, the great news is that that uh, lady became my client. And unfortunately, her husband did pass away um, about two years later. Oh, but wow. she was grateful that we met because I, I, I spoke to her about all of that. And, you know, talking about like death, it's not something she wanted to talk about, but she realized she had to because her husband was in her 80s. Now, why do I give that example? Um, I said to her, well, you know, if something happens to you, your husband, do they... Do you guys know where the papers are? Yeah, 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 I have a file cabinet. And I said, well, think of it this way. If you didn't come home last night and I'm your husband, I got to go through all those files in the file cabinet? Yeah, yeah, it's organized. And I said, you know what? The assumption is here is that I'm, I'm still in mourning. So the last thing I want to do is go through 20 different files to figure out what you have neatly stored in there. So I thought, you know what? Let me just come up with a document and I called it the just-in-case file. So the just-in-case file is that in the event that I need to know where things are, in the event that I'm sick, in the event that you're sick, do I actually know where things are located? Do I know where my husband banked? Because, you know, sometimes spouse, they bank in places that we don't know about because somebody offered them a deal and they do it and they forget to tell you, right? Um, your life insurance policy, have you updated the beneficiaries? You know, did you go through a separation and divorce? Is your ex-spouse still on there for no reason other than you just forgot? Um, list of all your utility bills, where are they? right? When do you pay them? From which bank account? Um, are you in negotiation to purchase a property and you've made that deposit? Because if you made that deposit and in the event of death, where does that money go? Is there a pending litigation for a car accident claim? Like there are so many things that we touch every day in our lives that we can go through that door mm-hmm. or we can stay in our home and we take our last breath. So what the Jessica case file, there's two parts to it. There's the one page document that says life insurance policy number, TFSA account policy number. So it just briefly lists everything where it's located. Mm-hmm. And then the second document will give more of the details. Okay. So for example, your LinkedIn, your Facebook, your Instagram, like all these things that you have your hands in, if I need to get access to mm-hmm. that, to say, you know, unfortunately, you have to announce the passing of my spouse or my spouse needs prayer because they're terminally ill. If I don't know where they have it, I don't know what to do. Um, credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. After death, if somebody decides, oh, you know what, Karen's gone, I can use her credit card, nobody will ever know. And when they do find out, it's too late anyways, because I already spent it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, safety to deposit box. Mm-hmm. If your name is not on your husband's safety deposit box, you can't access that. Um, what about car insurance? right? 
where do you have your car insurance? Right. So that just in case file is just a document that says, just in case this is where everything is, right? What what if you subscribe um, to let's say ADRA or the Cancer Society, mm -hmm. right? Gym membership, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just listing everything that you've touched. And this is just a file that you create. You don't have to have this signed up with anyone. No one, nope. you don't have to get this legally done or anything. This is something that yeah, you do it's on exactly your own, it. Right? Because I'm, let's assume you're pretty organized, Sister Kathleen. You have everything organized. But mm -hmm. the question is, does your husband understand what this all means? Right? right. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah. and even like bank accounts, there's this assumption that my bank account will automatically go to my spouse. No your bank account will automatically go through probate, right? And even if you have oh, the wow. account joint, mm -hmm. um, if it's not joint with rights of survivorship, it's considered joint mm -hmm. uh, tenancy in common, which simply means my half or my 30% will go to my heirs and the other 70% will go to the person that I'm involved with. Um, for people who are in business relationship, what happens to the business when you're gone? Or if you're sick for more than two years, like does your spouse, tell the partner, okay, we're going to buy you out or you're going to buy me out. Like that's what that just in case file does, right? Um, so it could be very well, simple. Yeah. It could be pretty detailed. What about car loans? Mm -hmm. Right? But the social mm -hmm. media account is, is extremely important because if you don't lock that baby down when your, your spouse is gone, there's a lot of stuff that could be posted. I know a friend of mine, Cameron Frey, he passed away a few years ago and people were getting like notes from his Facebook and people were like, well, I thought he's gone. Right. But you know, his wife kept yeah. the account going. Right. So she was the one that was doing it, but most people didn't know that, especially those who didn't know that he died. Right. Right. <laughs> right? So oh, they wow. thought it was wow. That could yeah, break some problems like, I there. <laughs> he's dead. Right. And he did pass. But, you know, if the family wants to keep it open, we have to respect mm -hmm. that. But let's say it wasn't them that would be the update. Okay. Uh, pension, mm. like, you know, with the Justin yeah. Cage file, you will make a note of pension, right? Because if you've worked overseas, if I don't know that you didn't transfer your pension here, that's money that just sits there. Yeah. You know, we sit down and we, we think, oh, don't worry about it. It's not, I don't have to worry about that for now. It's not, nothing's going to happen to me anytime soon, but you never know. And definitely this <laughs> just in case is definitely um, something that I need to work on like yesterday. <laughs> I think a lot of us uh, will take heed from that information that you're sharing because it's definitely, definitely warranted. I can't assume that my husband knows all my passwords and so forth and bank information and, yeah, definitely. And I mean, what's to say that my husband and I don't pass away at the same time, then, you know, a, mm -hmm. my children or another family member, somebody needs to be able to have that mm -hmm. access to that information. You know what, Sister right, Kathleen, I'm going to give you another bank. little one for families who support other families yeah. overseas. So, you know, like they send money through Western Union or the bank. Like, what does your family do after you're gone? Because if, if I'm, let's say, in Nicaragua and I normally get money on the 15th of every month, now I'm not getting that money every 15th of the month. I don't know why, because maybe I didn't know my family member passed away, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, even your social insurance number, your health card, passport, driver's license, citizenship card, marriage certificate, uh, divorce document, child support, separation agreement. I, I, I wouldn't know where to find that. And, and mm. what, what do I do? Wow. Wow. So true. You've opened up my eyes to um, a whole yeah. different look on that. And, and, so thank you for and that. And here's one more. Like if powerful. you're getting spousal support, right, you know, does, is that mm -hmm. only until death or is supposed to continue for a certain amount of years? And another big one is an inheritance, right? If there's an inheritance forthcoming, what happens to it if I don't know about it? Yeah. What happens well, to it? It will go into your <laughs> wow. estate. Yeah. Your estate if if it's not documented, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm here just thinking about I'm reflecting on everything that you're saying. So mm -hmm. that's a lot of food for thought. And I'm sure that's a lot of um, a lot of the listeners are thinking about that the same way that I am right now. So we have our work cut out for us. We really need to get ourselves uh, and our things in order because we don't know what's mm -hmm. gonna happen to us tomorrow. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, is there anything else? I'm looking to move over into the blended families. Is there anything else in the just in case file that we should know? I know you've gone through quite a bit, but is there anything else that you wanted to tell us in that just well, in case file? Have again, with the just in case file, just start somewhere, right? Just get a sheet of Again, paper yes. <laughs> and just start yeah. jotting things down. If you're not sure what these things should look like, um, at the end of the podcast, you will have the opportunity to contact me where I can provide you with some basic complimentary documents for you to get started. But if you know you're not going to get started, if you know it's not a priority, um, don't. Because you're just going to start and then you won't do it. And God forbid something happens then it's a bigger mess, right, for the family, right? Mm. Like 15 minutes of the day, it's not a lot of time to do these things that's important. Like we spend, so we spend a lot of time that doing other so things true. that we think is important. We spend a lot of time doing things and advising everybody. Yep. And we advise a lot of families on what to do, but we actually, we're not doing it. Not doing it ourselves, so true. That 15 minutes that we're spending surfing on our phone, we can be putting our life in order and, you know, getting that just in case file, uh, you know, sorting mm -hmm. out our will or something like that. So that that is definitely how you put that into perspective. Yeah. I can't say it. Perspective. 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 <laughs> uh, my tongue yeah. <laughs> tongue tied there this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you definitely have made me see the light on that we can there's so much things that we like you say value or take time to do instead of the things that are really important you know uh, we find things to go on facebook and instagram and we could do something that's more beneficial to our life for our future for our family right so very useful and important tips that you've shared there this morning thank you uh okay so moving on now to uh, our last topic for the day is blended families. What do you mean by that? I was couldn't understand where you were going to go with that. Okay, so, so blended families, which is almost the norm in most societies today, is um, being in the, mm -hmm, house, the same household where um, the parents are not the same parents for all the children. Okay, or if the children are not living at home right. anymore, mm -hmm. um, this is a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth relationship. 
Um, and it could be, you know, putting aside what we believe, um, our personal beliefs. Um, it could be same sex. It could be heterosexual. Um, but the important thing is if you're a part of a blended family, it's even that much more important to get your ducks in order. Okay. Now, there are lots of challenges with traditional families. Think of the challenges that you will have with blended families right. if you don't put things Oh, my down. goodness. Mm -hmm. um, probably about right. 15 years okay. ago, I went to a funeral, sorry, celebration of life service um, at the funeral home on site. And um, the service happened, and we're all mm -hmm. waiting for the body to be committed to the ground, and um, <laughs> it didn't happen. So, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what's going on? And uh, what we found out is that um, the wife says, I'm not, I'm not paying for his, his, his burial um, because he had kids outside. So his body didn't, it wasn't wow. committed to the ground that day, right? Oh, no, it wasn't there. And it oh, didn't dear. happen for a while because she's like, no, I'm not doing that, right? Um, so why do I talk about blended families because that's becoming more of the norm it is so important for those who are going yes. into a relationship um, to think and ask mm -hmm. yourself this question I want my marriage to work or I want this relationship to work but in the event that it doesn't work mm -hmm. okay what happens right if I have a home prior yes. to marriage I really as Christians and let's assume um, some of the individuals that are listening, they're from a Bible-based uh, background. We hope that all of our marriages work, but sometimes it does not. And when it does not work, all that love is out the door. Because if it wasn't out the door, it would have worked, right? So when we look at blended family, right. <laughs> it's important for you to protect the mm -hmm. interests of your family and your children prior to getting into marriage and your spouse can say, Oh no, Kathleen. Oh no, Paul, you know, for sure. You mm -hmm. know, I'll take care of the kids. Not right. Because even if in their heart, mm -hmm. they want to take care of the kids, stats show that it doesn't happen because along the way, this handsome gentleman comes and woos my heart or this drop dead woman comes along and woom his heart. And now we're blending all of our stuff together. And me as the daughter decides, you know, I really don't like my spouse. So I'm going to be very uncomfortable with him. And before you know it, there's issues in the home and it doesn't work, right? So when we are entering into a blended family, it's not that we are saying it's not going to work, but you got to use wisdom. You have to use wisdom. There are families so, right now, I have one family where the spouse passed away and this is five weeks prior to me sitting at the kitchen table I'm like okay God, we talked about this two years ago okay Karen I'm gonna get it done I'm gonna get it done unfortunately it wasn't done mm. wife went into the hospital the week she went into the hospital she never made it back out now she had assets prior to marriage wow. husband is assuming he gets everything and I'm like ah you don't what do you, what do you mean I don't get everything well it's not matrimonial property only the portion that grew from the date of marriage up until now is yours. Oh, really? Well, why? Well, that's assets she had before. And the drawback is that there is no will in place, none whatsoever. 
right? So mm. it makes it worse, that right? But worse. even if she had mm-hmm. the will and she made her wishes, mm-hmm. that's what it would have been, right? Um, so the blended family is extremely important um, from an estate planning uh, point of view um, to really talk to your future spouse. You know, how do you feel about certain things? How do you feel about my kids? Are our children, because it's now our children now, cohabitating with us mm-hmm. in the basement where they have to come through the front door every day as opposed to a walk-up basement? You know, ask those questions and just wait for the response, All right? Because if the value system yeah. is not the wow. same, mm-hmm. it's not going to work, right? Um, blended families, you know, one of the questions is ask that spouse, do you have child support? Do you have spousal support? How long will you be contributing for this? Do you have children outside that you may not be aware of, or you think you might have, but Mm. you're not sure? Because when things happen, they're going to come out of the woodwork. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I was saying to this um, gentleman, I said, listen, (laughs) you, you can't not put all the kids well I don't have to nobody can tell me what I have to do and I'm like uh, no we don't have to tell you what you should be doing but the Ontario court will tell you what you should have done <laughs> in your grave all right so I said you know for every family well, even if you don't yeah, like your kids because yeah. some parents they don't like their kids right because you know sometimes they, yeah the truth of the matter is <laughs> some parents don't like their kids but at least put them down for one dollar because when you put them down for one dollar you've acknowledged that they exist um, if they want to challenge it, that's fine, but at least you've acknowledged. Wow. Okay. Uh, when we talk about blended families, you know, the equalization of assets, you know, should everybody get the same amount? No, not necessarily, because one may have been there more than the other, one may need it more than the other, right? Um, so when we're blending the blood related family and the non blood related, which also include those who you may have fostered you know, or adopted, if they deemed you as their parents, and now you've X them out of your estate, that could also be a bigger issue. Do you ever deal with people mm-hmm. that contest the wi- their will? Is that, yeah, and how, how does, what happens there? Uh, no, you so when you are contesting a will, a will um, you better make sure you have good reasons to contest the will. So once it's being contested, it's gonna be held up mm-hmm. in court, and it can be held up in court until the judge feels like it's their priority or it's at the top of their list, right? Um, when I work with families, right. I ask them, do you have a will? Okay, do you mind if I see it? So as soon as I look at the will, I can see, because if I am doing their financial plan and I see the will, I already put two and two together and I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you're giving everything to your spouse, that's great. But what happened to the kids? Right. Or you have families where they don't have a spouse and they do half and half to the kids. So I said to them, OK, well, if you have a million dollars and each child gets five hundred thousand. Um, so which child is going to take care of final expenses? Oh, well, they're both going to do it. Really? Which child is going to pay Revenue Canada and get that clearance certificate to clear your estate? So anything that's in the estate can be distributed. Oh, well, they'll both do that. No, 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 no. Why don't you send a mm-hmm. portion of your estate? Um, to your estate account. So at least there's money there. Oh, I didn't think of that. Because I can tell you if I'm your daughter and I'm broke and you give me 500000 mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend it on the funeral home because I'm not getting anything back from it. No, 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 I'm not. No, 
<laughs> I'm going to tell my sister who really don't need that money. Yeah, yeah. She needs to spend the money. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I hear you. What about in situations? I, you know, I often, I've heard before that if you don't have a will, um, your husband's automatically, and you pass away, your husband's automatically nope. going to get that money. No, that's anyway. not true. Is that um, true? Upon death with no? no will in place, your surviving current spouse, because you can have a couple of spouses, they're entitled to the first 200000 of the value of the estate. And then the balance will be split okay. uh, two-thirds, so two-thirds to spouse uh, maximum, and then the balance to the kids. But the, the spouse in most cases okay. will automatically um, assume um, the residency of the home until the courts decide um, if it needs to be sold to give the kids anything. That was my next question. Yeah, so the kids okay, can't well, kick Thanks the husband out of the house. That. That's some... yeah. No, okay, well, that's good. No, that, that's so has been not common law, because common law that rules means... are different from um, matrimonial law. Okay, okay. Very good to know. This has really been some useful information that you've shared with us today, Karen. And I'm just sit here sitting and reflecting on everything that you've been saying. I mean, to me, my key takeaway from today's yeah, chat yeah. is start. <laughs> yeah, just get something done. Because, you know, we're, again, as I keep saying, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know um, our time to die. And if we don't have anything, then we mm -hmm. can see that it leaves chaos for the rest of the family. And they're already dealing with the stress of your death. And to add on, this is just like additional stress that you're adding on to your family members. So um, before we wrap up here, is there anything else that you would like to uh, share and think that is beneficial for yes. us? Yes, so I just want to just, just do a quick recap of the first part that we talked about, uh, the financial yeah. planning. Um, so there's like a lot of myths about financial planning. So... Some people think it's only for people who are wealthy. It's all about just um, investing. It's too expensive. Um, it's too much time. It's for people that's older. Um, I don't have any money. It's all about retirement. No, no. Financial planning basically says all of what I have earned, it's a value, whether it's a value to myself or to next generation. And, you know, the, the Lord has given us the opportunity to work, right? He's given us wisdom to think, and he has placed different individuals and institutions in our lives to assist us with money management. And it's really up to us, as I mentioned, and I'll keep mentioning, is to start somewhere, right? If you're getting up to work every day, there's a value that you're adding to society. So even if you think you don't have any money, my question to you is, if you're working, who are you working for, right? Um, so, you know, when it right. comes to financial planning, you need to start somewhere and you don't have to have a whole lot of money, but just start. Um, when it comes to estate planning, there are many reasons to have an estate plan. Um, some of those reasons are reduce taxes or defer taxes, gifting money to charity or communities uh, that support causes that you care about, 
pass along generational wealth. You know, mm-hmm. appoint the individual or the institution that you trust enough to follow through on your wishes. Choosing, and I know we didn't touch on this, choosing a guardian for the children. If the children are underage and you decide, okay, I'm going to leave my aunt as a trustee for the residue of my estate for the kids. If you didn't appoint her to take care of the kids, you only gifted the money. So because she's better with the money, the courts is the one that's going to decide who is fit enough to take care of those kids. Um, You know, distributing the assets according to your wishes, providing funds for final expenses. So we can have all this money. But if we haven't designated who is going to work with the funeral home to take care of everything or virtual, if they pass away during COVID time, right? And who's going to close out for a state before anything is distributed, right? Um, people avoid doing a will or doing the estate planning because they think it's too much money. But, you know, as the example that I gave on the conference call that I did about two months ago with the group, there's one particular individual their estate is still going through the courts. And I explained to them, please, can you get the will done? But I didn't think they needed it. They were young. They couldn't be bothered. And it was too much money. But now, consistently, the family was calling me, calling me, calling me and say, well, can you speed this up? And I said, no, everything is in the hands of the courts. Right? Um, so you have to wait until it's your turn. Mm. And it's three years now. And it's still not your turn. Right? <laughs> it wow. can go on wow. indefinitely. It could go on that right? long, yeah. Um, and the beauty about insurance, if somebody oh, passes nice. away, mm-hmm. we look at the documentation, regardless of what you have in your will. And whoever name is on there, we cut the check and we give it to them. All right. So in, in a nutshell, if you have mm-hmm. that just in case mm-hmm. file, your family will know where things are located. Mm-hmm. Make sure you don't put the passwords on the same document. So you can hand that sheet of paper to your spouse and now they can't say, well, I don't know what my wife does or I don't know what my husband does. I don't know how they do these things. No, you do know. Because if you took the time to look at it, you will know. And then you can now ask questions. Okay, I noticed you have that account. What's that account for? Because I don't remember it's opening that. Oh, honey, you know, that's for my family. Remember we talked about that before we got married and that account is for my family? Okay, okay, okay. Right? You said something there, not to put the passwords on the and, same In a separate area. So, so you can have, you, those you know, passwords? everything written down and say, you know, the, the paint drawer, okay. right? Okay. Um, because if you put it on, if you put all the passwords okay. in the same document, mm-hmm. yep. And if I break into the they house, can I have everything, it. right? Exactly, right. Right, exactly. Very true. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. One question that we didn't talk about, I don't know if this is your area in financial uh, planning, but what about the funeral and the funeral expenses and all of that? Do we just put money aside? Do we go and uh, go to a funeral home and make payments? There's what two do you ways suggest? To do How does so that whole part work? You know, I'm actually going through that right now. I'm creating my own service program. Right? So I tell uh spouse and family okay this is what i would like now they can change it when i'm gone right and i i won't be able to contend with them right Uh, so do i want to be cremated or is it full body burial you know if i pass away during transition to let's say new york because i have tons of family in new york 
Jamaica, do I do it there or here, right? So that's the first thing we need to decide. You know, do we want simple or not, right? So once we've right. determined that, we have to ask ourselves the question. In today's dollars, how much is it realistically for a funeral? It's probably about fifteen to 20000 So if we set aside that, now you can set aside that raw cash right. or you can get life insurance, right? Mm-hmm. If you get a life insurance, it's a lot cheaper. Or you can do the pre-planning. Now with the pre-planning, it is so important that you understand what's not included. Not what is included, what's not included. So some funeral homes, um, if you buy a 20,000 casket, $20,000 casket or $5,000 casket, they give you the equivalent of that value when you pass away. So if you pass away 30 years from now, that 2,000 or 5,000 casket is probably a match as well, right? Um, so my suggestion when it comes mm. to planning, do homework. And there is, there's a video on YouTube through a marketplace mm. on CBC, and I encourage everybody to watch that one. Uh, marketplace, okay. uh, what the funeral homes are not telling you. Okay. Take a look, read through it, and take a listen through it, and ask yourself this question. If I do have the pre-planning, okay. did I really check these? If you don't do pre-planning, my suggestion, set aside twenty to 30000 whether it's through a life insurance with no end date, so like a whole life insurance with no end date, which means the rates won't change. You set aside, and that's mm-hmm. simply for funeral expenses. In fact, I normally recommend fifty to 100000 of permanent insurance set aside for final expenses and uh, taxes for the government. Yeah. Uh, anywhere from okay. 50 to 100,000 to take care of final expenses and estate taxes for the government, mm-hmm. right? Because if your RSPs are taxed, if there's no surviving okay. spouse, you can use tax-free money to pay the debt. Mm-hmm. And then everything will go to the kids. Oh, that's a... Yeah. That's but a big other, chunk of yeah, change. The other wow. thing too, yeah, the other thing too... <laughs> okay, that yeah, that's on, a lot to think like about. Said, mm-hmm. We can do 15 sessions on this. Is when you are putting together your state, mm-hmm. do a practice run with the kids. Like, you know, John, Mary, mm-hmm. you know, if I didn't come home last night, you know, and I left this money for you, what would you actually do with it? All right, don't give them, don't give them the lump sum because they'll spend it. Hmm. You know, give give them their paycheck like every fifth of the month from the grave, right? Right. So you can set it up like an annuity where you're giving them like a paycheck. Okay. Right? And that way you're also protecting them for the, from those who may come and gouge right. them. Yeah. Well, True, yes, yeah, yeah. Or even from themselves. Yeah, well, if Just I don't sitting down depending on that money also too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, this has all been very useful information. I know I've been here taking notes and I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today, Karen. Much appreciated. And I'd love for you maybe down the road to come on or different topics that we can discuss. Uh, Women in finances, because I know a lot of women out there just don't know a single thing how to manage their money. Um, So down the road, maybe if you're willing, I'd like to invite you back on again to do another segment on women in finances. So once again, I want to thank you so Uh, much. Is there any final words before we wrap up the program today? You know, associate yourself with professionals that will provide you with uh, good advice and uh, paid professionals. The reason why I say paid professionals is simply because they have a higher level of accountability. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying friends and family can't give you advice. But if their advice is incorrect, they'll just say, you know, I'm so sorry, I gave you the wrong information, right? 
Um, there's lots of resources out there. And um, if you would like additional information on how to get started, like don't hesitate, you can check out my website and send me an email. And the website is www.kab, so that's my initials, F as in Frank, S as in Sarah, I as in Ingram.com. Or alternatively, you can check me out on faithlifefinancial.com. So Faith Life Financial is the uh, Christian arm of uh, one of the companies that I deal with. Um, so if I'm working with families that are strictly Bible-based, um, definitely through Faith Life Financial. Faith Life Financial. That was uh, Faith Life Financial. Yeah. We are the only uh, faith-based okay. Okay. full Beautiful. financial planning company in Canada. And for those oh, awesome. Are that online, is great. Yeah, you know. can great. look at the and, book. Uh, um, it's called Your New Money Mindset for the Ladies. Um, it's called Your New Money Mindset uh, by Brad Hewitt. That's H-E-W-I-T-T. -T, and James Maloney, M-O-L-I-N-E. Mm -hmm. -E. um, if there's no other book that you read, um, read this book. It's Bible-based. It's very, very good information. Okay. And this is information that you can pass from one generation to another. Awesome. It talks about using money as a tool and not as a goal and really mm -hmm. encouraging us as Christians to learn to live a life of contentment. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. So that's New Money Mindset, yeah. right? By Brad Hewitt and James Malone. Uh, okay, great. I'll be sure to make sure I put that down in the links for my viewers to be able to uh, also take advantage of getting that book. Uh, again, Karen, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to share your wealth of information. You definitely have so much uh, information to share with us. And I'm sure my listeners got a lot from today's program, got some good advice and good information to make use of, not just to listen and put aside, but really to put things in uh, yep, practical and to make use and <laughs> get started right that's the key thing that you said to get started so thank you so much again I want to just appreciate your time and just let you know that uh, I'm just reading here you've said that you're also available for bookings and speaking engagements so yeah. can I share your number in the link down yeah, below yeah absolutely your information? I, I can got, share that with our viewers yeah, also right? a couple of bookings to speak for women okay, and men, because I love speaking with my men too. <laughs> wow, that's really great. You've given us some good information that we all can benefit from. Just want to thank you, Karen, and I'm sure my listeners have enjoyed hearing you today as much as I have. And one thing I remember is to start. Uh, as you said, just start. Well, folks, that's all for the podcast today. Until next week, stay tuned for another great episode of Living Well with Kathleen Saunders. Enjoy the rest of your day and take care. Bye-bye for now. Hello, hello, Living Well listeners, and welcome to another podcast. I'm so looking forward for you to hear my guest today. Today, the privilege is mine to speak with Kamal Bahawaj. 
Kamal is happily married and he and his wife have a six-year-old son. Kamal was born and raised in New Delhi, India. In 2006, he came to Canada to study visual effects at Seneca College in Toronto. In 2008, he moved to Europe and lived in Germany and Belgium. It was in Belgium where he met his wife in Brussels. In February of 2016, he moved back to Canada with his wife and this time they settled in Vancouver where he currently works as a lighting technical director on Hollywood movies. How exciting! In December of 2018, after a visit to the doctors for another issue, Kamal was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Today, Kamal will be sharing with us just how in six short weeks, he was able to reverse his type 2 diabetes without any medication.